but you know. I won't be here, so I'll leave a recording. You can learn it whenever you're available. Good evening. Today we're learning Masechus Ksubos, Daf Samach and as well Daf Samach Zayin. And we're starting at the bottom of Samach Vavah with a new Mishnah. <clears throat> it, it, it was commonplace for uh, the father of the bride to give a dowry, to give some money toward, uh, toward the young couple. And uh, we know from the Nichsei Malug, or the Nichsei Tzon Barzel, to be more accurate, that when a woman would bring a dowry into a marriage, she was able to get it back, the principal, she was able to get it back at the end of the marriage. So therefore, it had to be coded into the Ksuba in that way. So our Mishnah here delineates a number of different iterations of what the dowry could look like, and how it should be recorded in the Ksuba accordingly, so that she could then get her money back. Uh, when the marriage concludes. The Mishnah at the bottom of Samach Vav opens and reads as follows. Let's say that a father-in-law, the bride, the father of the bride said he wants to give money to, to his son-in-law. And then unfortunately, before the husband, uh, before he could get married, the husband died. So let's say we're talking about Rachel and Ruvain. So Rachel's father said, here's, here's $10,000 for the happy couple. But before the marriage could be finalized, Ruvain died. And Ruvain died without children. And Ruvain had a brother named Shimon. So therefore, we have a case of Yibum here. So then what happens with the dowry money that the father of the bride, Rachel's father, wanted to put into the ksuba? Says the Gemara, Amru Chachamim, the Chachamim teach us, Yochol Hu, the father is allowed to say, Shiyomar, he can say, I didn't want to give the money to you. I wanted to give the money to Ruvain, but Ruvain died. But you, I'm not interested in giving. In other words, the father of the bride is not obligated to continue with this dowry with a new husband. It could just be that he only intended on giving the money to Ruvain if Rachel were to have married Ruvain, but because Ruvain died and Shimon is alive, so the father of the bride is not obligated to, to continue and follow through. Let's say in a less dramatic case, Pasca lehachni slow elef dinar, she wants to bring a thousand dinar into the marriage. So then who posted on what does he write in the Ksuba? Uh, he writes chamesh esrei mana. So that's uh, it's lf is a thousand dinar, and chamesh esrei mana is fifteen hundred. So he has to give an uptick of fifty percent. Cash is king. It's uh, it was understood. Uh, listen, now the interest rates are they're growing and still terrible, right? So they're still very bad. Back in the day, the interest rates were were pretty good, apparently. And if you were given a thousand dollars at the time of a chuppah, at the time of the ksuba, you would write into the ksuba that. For sure, she'd be able. That money would be worth at least fifty percent more when the time comes at the end of the marriage. Uchaneged Hashum. Let's say she gives something, but the item uh, has been evaluated. Uposek pachos chomesh. Then he has to give. Uh, he has to put in the ksuba uh, a, a lesser volume of money. Yes, she brought in a, a one thousand dollar television, but we lower it by a couple hundred dollars because. We know that that will depreciate over the course of time. We have this in our taxes. You know, how much has this device depreciated over the course of time? Fine. And then, let's say you, uh, she gives something into, as a dowry, and it was a mana, and it was in fact evaluated as a mana. So then it goes in the ksuba as a mana. Then ain lo el mana. Then you don't you don't give a, a reduced value a value for the for the depreciation of a device if it's already been evaluated. Shum b'mana. Let's say that there was something that uh, that needed to be assessed, and we thought it was about a mana, but he didn't have the he didn't have this item yet given in the marriage. So then he no senes shloshim echad sela bedinar. Rashi and the Mefarshim here explain why this number is ever so specific. It's basically that 
that ratio of reduction. We said that we're supposed to reduce it by a fifth. This is that reduction of a fifth. Our Bameos had it been that there were 400 then it would have to be that the math was offset because we're always offsetting. Cash will always have an increase of 50% or a third milagav, or it will be um, it will be a third, it'll be a fifth from a fifth reduction if he is going, if she is going to bring into the marriage something that needs to be evaluated. At the very bottom line, last word on Samach Bava the Mishnah continues, Ma Shechasan Posek, Uposek Pachos Chomesh seemingly saying the same idea repeatedly. And what the Gemara, what the Mishnah here is saying on the top of Samach Vava Mudbez is that whatever a chasen is going to put in the ksuba from that which is an evaluated item, he's always going to reduce it by one-fifth. The Gemara returns to the very, very beginning of our Mishnah and asks the following question. Hey, what's going on with this Ruvain and Shimon brothers? We know Ruvain died and left Rachel in the lurch and she's supposed to marry Shimon all well and good. And the father of the bride said, I didn't want to give the money to Shim, and I only wanted to give the money to Rube. So the Gemara wants to know, well, what if one was a Talmud Chacham and the other was an Amha'aretz? That's what this Brai says dealing with. Two lines down on Samach Baba Mudbez. Obviously, if the first one, if Ruben was a Talmud Chacham and the second one was an Amha'aretz, they're for sure, the father of the bride has every right to say, I don't want my dowry to go to Shem, and he's an Amharetz. But even, says the Brisa, even if the first boy, if Ruvain was an Amharetz, even if the, the, the Yavam, who she is potentially going to marry, he's a Tamil Chacham, still the father has every latitude. It's his money. He's allowed to say to Shimon, I didn't want to give the money to you. I didn't want you to be my son in law. I wanted him to be my son in law. I have no desire to give it to you. No problem at all. In other words, we don't care what the status might be of brother one and brother two of Ruvain and Shimon. When Ruvain dies and now brother number two is in the picture as a Yavam, we don't care. The father of the bride always maintains the right uh, to say, I don't want to give you this money. We said a couple of cases that were identical to one another in regards to the math. The Gemara says, Tana Shuma Rabava, Tana Shuma Zuta. We needed to have multiple cases to make sure that we knew that there was an item that may have a large Shuma, a large evaluation, and an item that may be a small evaluation. And as well, Tana Shuma Dide and Vikatani Shuma Dida as well. We need evaluations from her side and from his side. We need to make sure that we know that this math applies under all circumstances, that when a woman brings cash into a marriage, then he is going to increase in the Ksuba 50% of that cash. And if it's going to be something that's an item and not cash, then it's reduced by, um, by a fifth. The, Gemara, the new Mishnah on the top of Samach Vav, Amid Beis, 10 lines down, reads, If she's giving cash, so Sela, which is really four dinar, that's Nasa Shisha dinar. Same exact math we said before, 50% increase. Why, why do we keep repeating the same thing? The Gemara will ask that question. This is a new din. The Chasen has to accept upon himself 10 dinarim for kupa. We'll see in the Gemara what a kupa is. The chol mana uman. It's basically 10% uptick. So for every mana that, that exists, he has to give 10% for kupa. We'll see in the Gemara what that means. Rib Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, akol kim minagamadina. Lav davka that it's going to be 10% for kupa. It really just depends on the minag of that locale. 
says the Gemara, the first line of this Mishnah really belongs in the previous Mishnah. It's just indicating that when cash is inserted as part of the dowry, that when we write it up in the Ksuba, we add 50%. It's the same exact thing we had in the previous Mishnah when there was a thousand. We uh, we wrote in the Ksuba 1500. So here you say four Sela and we add 50% at six. The math is the same. Why bring so many cases? Says the Gemara, We need to have transactions that are very large and transactions that are very small, because we might have thought differently about each of these transactions. Third of the way down, we need both of these cases. Why? I might have thought that in a case where we're talking about larger numbers, the only time we would do that 50% uptick is when we're dealing with larger numbers. But in regards to smaller numbers, I might have thought that it's too painful to lose those couple of extra shekel, and we would therefore not reduce that money. Therefore, we need both of those cases. Had we only taught the case of a very small amount of money, like this new Mishnah on Samach Bavamud of only four selah, so then the Zutar Ziyuni, the risk is very low. But the risk with larger dollars, the swing of dollars when you're when you're in the stock market can be can be very wild, much more it, it feels more volatile with uh, large percentages, larger numbers, even though the percentages may be the same. So the where the risk is greater, I might have said, you know what, 50% is fine when you're dealing with four sella, but 50% is not fine when you're dealing with a thousand. A whole different ballgame. Kamash Malan says the Gemara Tzricha, we therefore need both cases. It doesn't matter. The percentages of increase are going to stay the same. We don't we don't factor in risk as a reason to change the percentages. <clears throat> what was the case of Kupa in our Mishnah? At the two dots here, a, a, a little bit more than a third of the way down, the Gemara says, Asara dinar lakupa. We said that a husband, according to the Tanakhama, he says to give ten percent of the money in the form of kupa. My kupa says the Gemara. Amar Ravashi kupa shel besamim. Kupa is a reference to spices. And if you look in Rashi, Dibur Hamaschil lakupa, third of the way down in the Rashi's, and you go down a couple of lines into there, he'll see biyiknu lo mehem besamim lirchos behem betamruke hanoshim shekachshir roisha mivia lebaila mana ruuyel he lebesamim shel asara zuz. Fine. So we see here that it's basically uh, soaps and potions and all of the all of the makeups and uh, cleansing products that that a wife would want. That's not a new thing. This has been going on for millennia. It's been going on since the world started. And this is something that is part and parcel of a ksuba. We understand that this is the case. Men have no such. Uh, we don't get soap. We don't we don't get given these things at all. Women get it. And it's a requirement in the ksuba. And as well, says the Gemara as a qualification, it only applies in a case where there was a minag for women to have these things. But in a place where women never got to use these special spices to smell so good, let's say in a community where no women wear perfume. So that's a problem. And therefore, there's no requirement to put it into the ksuba. The Rambam and Hilchos Yisuri Bia writes that uh, even to smell a woman's perfume with intent to enjoy is Nisr Darabonim. Fascinating. Doesn't take much because our uh, the olfactory it's a, our smell is a very very powerful trigger for for many things. Okay, so one has to be careful. You don't have you don't you can't control what enters your nose, but you have to be able to control what enters your brain. So the Rambam enumerates among other isuridirapon and that one is not allowed to to smell a woman's perfume with intent. Yeah. The Gemara continues halfway down. Boy Ravashi, hanishom o When our Mishnah says that for every mana he has to give ten percent. Which evaluation number are we talking about? Is it the entry number or is it the reduced by 20% number that we don't know? 
says the Gemara, Im tim marmona hamizkabel. If you want to say it's the reduced number, that's fine. Yom rishon kol yom v'yom. Is it only the first day, that first day that they get married, or every day does he have to give ten percent of that money? And im tim selom kol yom v'yom. If it's every day of the week, Shabbos rishon, is it only the first week? Or kol Shabbos v'Shabbos? Does he have to give her the money for kupa every week? And im tim selom kol Shabbos v'Shabbos. If it's true for every week, chodesh rishon or kol chodesh v'chodesh. Is it only true for one month, or is it true for every month? And if you want to say that she gets the kupa every day for whatever money there is that day, she always gets 10%. Shana Rishon, is it only true for her first year? Oh, we don't know the answer to this. The Gemara concludes with a teku. <clears throat> Story time. The Gemara says, two thirds of the way down, Amar Yehuda, Amar Rab, Maisa Bibito Shal Nakdimon Ben Gurion, Shapaskula Chachamim Arba Meo Zehuvim Lakupa Shal Besamim Lebobayom. Wow. So wildly wealthy family. And the Gemara says that the daughter of Nakdimon Ben-Gurion, who was known to be a massively wealthy individual in Yerushalayim, so his daughter got 400 zoos for Kupa on, in one day. Amra Lahem, and she said to others, this should be the same allocation for your daughters, a bracha for wealth. And then here they said, Amen. And if you remember a couple of days ago, or was it yesterday, there she didn't say, people didn't say amen because we had said that her husband died. So why over here are we saying amen? And why two days ago were we not saying amen to the brach of the daughter of Nakdimon Ben Gurion? Take a look at the bottom Tosfos. The bottom Tosfos calls this out. Lemala, just yesterday we learned this. Why? Because at that point, her husband had already died. So she said, look, uh, you know, if ever you're in need of collecting a ksuba, so then you, you should get as much as I. They're like, we don't want to say amen to that. Your husband died. But Aval Khan, but here her husband was still alive and she was just getting something that was a part of her ksuba, this money for the kupa. That then Gamar says, Anu right? Good distinction. All right, where are we? Says the Gemara, Tanu Rabbanan, two thirds of the way down. This is a little bit later in time. Was riding a donkey. And he was out in the outskirts of Yerushalayim. And his students were in tow. They saw one woman. They saw a young woman. She was collecting barley. From among the, the fecal matter, from among the droppings of the animals that belong to Arabs. Kevan also. Once she saw him, she wrapped herself up to be very modest, and she stood in front of him. And Amra, Amra Lo, she said, Rebbe, Parnaseni. She says, Rav Yochanan ben Zakai, I'd like you to please give me some food. Amar Lo, Rav Yochanan ben Zakai says to her, Biti, Miat, my daughter, who are you? Amr Loshi says back to Rav Yochanan ben Zakai, Bas Nakdimon ben Gorion Ani. I am the daughter of Nakdimon ben Gorion. Now, Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai knew Nakdimon ben Gurion. It's like not knowing the wealthiest family in town. Everybody knows who that, who that family is. So then the Gemara says, Amar la, Biti, my daughter, Mamon shal What happened to all of the riches and all of the wealth and all of the gold that your family had? Amr lo, the daughter says back to uh, Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rebbe, lo chedein maslin masla Yerushalayim. Don't they have the following mashal in Yerushalayim? Melach, Mamon, Chaser. What a great line. The Gemara says, I'll literally translate, which makes no sense, and then we'll learn it in context. Uh, to salt your money, you have to have a lacking. 
And if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi gives a beautiful explanation, 10 lines from the bottom, Dibur HaMaschil, Melach Mamon Chaser, Rashi explains, Harotze Limloach Mamono, somebody who wants to salt their money, Klomar, as if to say, Ligrom Loshe Yizkayim, in order to guarantee, that's how they used to salt uh, meat, that's how they used to keep meat, they didn't have freezers, so what they would do is they would put salt on it and it would prevent it from getting bacteria and molding. So how do we do the same to our money? How do we prevent our money from becoming bad, really, from overspending? Salt. What? Salted. Salted, absolutely. Every day. Yeah, absolutely. You know the literal people, someone's going to go home and like pour some iodized salt on their like wallet. Kosher salt. Oh, Only yeah. kosher salt. Yeah. No, the iodized will ruin money. So the Gemara says that here, what you need to do is chaser. You need to take a loss in order to keep your money. In other words, you have to give tzedakah. And the more tzedakah you give, uh, up to a point, and we'll learn about that a little bit tonight, that uh, that's considered appropriate and that's the right way to save money. <clears throat> the Amri Laha chesed. Some say the way that you save your money is with chesed by doing kindness. Anyways, the story continues. She said, what about your father-in-law? Usually families marry uh, in similar financial tax brackets. So I'm sure your father-in-law has some money. The daughter says back to My father-in-law and my father went into business together. And when one business tanked, all the businesses tanked and she lost all the money. And then she goes out on a limb and she says, she says, You were one of the people who signed my ksuba at my wedding. That's a hush of a ksuba. would love to see that ksuba with the signature of Yochanan ben Zaka. It'd be worth millions of dollars. What? Mm. That's incredible. That's incredible. So Then he spins around and talks to the Talmidim who were, who were following him. I remember when I signed on this ksuba of the daughter of Naktimon ben Gurion, how much money was in it? Wow, that is a million, a million dinar. It's a thousand thousands. That's a lot of cash. That's a very, very big ksuba. We don't, we don't touch this stuff nowadays. Ksubas are really pretty standard fare. I've never seen, maybe have you ever seen a ksuba that's modified like this? I've never seen one. I think everyone is pretty, they follow the text of the Nachala Shiva. It's like, you have to make sure you're like still, okay, fine. That's what the Gemara says. And that was, Chutz Michel nothing. That was only her side of the family. It wasn't it had nothing to do with him. It's just a tremendous amount of money. Bacha Rav Yochanan ben Zakai. Rav Yochanan ben Zakai start, started crying. The Amar. And he said as follows, Ashrechem Yisrael bizman she'osim ritzono shel makom. Happy would be the Jewish people when they follow the Ratzon of Hashem. Because when we do that, when the Jewish people do what they're supposed to do, no nations can touch them. Not these Arabs, nobody. No one can touch them. But when the Jewish people don't do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, they will be put into, uh, into the hands of a lowly nation. Not only that, says the Gemara, not only that, look at this woman, from riches to rags. She's literally picking out barley, uh, pearls of barley from amidst a field of dung and fecal matter. She's totally destitute because something happened that was wrong. So says the Gemara, how can that be? It's not possible. We know that he gave tzedakah and we have a brisa that talks about his kindness. Tanya, the Brysa writes, 
they said about him, the, this is the father, when he would leave his house to go to the base medrash, milas, they would take um, these, uh, you know, like they roll out the red carpet. So here they rolled out the silk carpet. They rolled out the silk. Milas is a type, a very fine type of material. And hayumatsiin tachtav that he should walk on it. Uvoinaniim umekaplenosan meacharav, and they would fold it, and then they would keep it, and then they would sell it, and then they would they would make a profit. Of course, he was giving tzedakah. It says the Gemara Big Musar. One possibility is that when he gave tzedakah, he didn't give tzedakah lishma. He did it for his own kavod. There's a big marsha here. Tzvi Sheir uh, shared this with me. Uh, you should take a look at the marsha later. Very sharp. Anyways, one of the flaws might be that he uh, that he did it for his own kavod. Some say no. He didn't do everything that he could have done. In other words, he could have given more tzedakah. Says the Gemara. This is what people say. That according to your camel are the packages of the camel. If you have the very strong camel, put on more packages. You have a very light, a very weak camel. Put on less. <laughs> so the Gemara says. That that Nakdimon uh, Ben Gurion did something wrong, either in his kavanas or in his actual giving. Tanya the Brisa writes, "Amar Rebelazer Bereb Tzadok, I wish I never would have seen this Arab in Achama im Lori Isia Shahayesa Melaketa Seor Mibain Talfei Susim Beakar. I wish I never would have seen that she was collecting barley seeds from among the hooves of." Of horses in Akko. Karasiala Mikrazai applied the Pasuk to her If you don't know what to do, you this beautiful woman, you should always follow the Ikve Hatson because animals know where to graze. Uh, and then you can shepherd the Gidiosaich. A Gidi is a small animal. And the Gemara says, Don't say the Pasuk is talking about Gidiosaich, animals, your body. It was just enough to sustain her. It wasn't even about her, her progeny. She was completely poor. It's the panhandler of yesteryear. And that's what they would do. They would follow where the sheep would go because by definition, the sheep are not stupid. They know where the food is. We don't think like animals. We think like, hopefully, we think like people. So then that was what the Gemara says. She, she was poor. It was very unfortunate to watch. All right, let's get into some uh, tougher Gemaras. We're about 10 lines down at the two dots. The Gemara says, Amar of Shemin Bar Abba, Amar of Yochanan. Ichnisalo Zahab. What if the dowry that she brought to the marriage was gold? I remember a couple of years ago, every third commercial was invest in gold, invest. Now you don't hear anybody talking about investing in gold anymore. So the Gemara, which is not a new precious metal, it's an old precious metal. It's in the it's in Sukkim and the Torah, it's all over the base of Mikdash. So what about gold? What if that's brought in? How do we look at it? Do we look at it as this precious metal or not? What are we really asking? Back to our Mishnah. Are we saying that it's like cash and we increase its value in the Ksuba by 50%? Or are we saying that it depreciates in value and therefore we should write a reduced price in the Ksuba? So that's what Rav Yochanan came to talk about. We do evaluate it. It's, uh, it's basically like cash. Rashi says, uh, sorry, I should say it's Kishvuyo. It's whatever its value is. We don't, uh, we don't, add, a th- we don't add half and we don't reduce. That's what Rashi says on the fourth line. Nothing. Everything stays the same. But this sheet of Rav Yochanan is very difficult. And the Gemara says a quarter of the way down, Mesvi the Brisa writes, how can you say that about Zohav that it stays flat in its value? That's not true. Mesvi ha Zohav harehu When we talk about 
<clears throat> when we talk about gold, it's no different than any other kli, and all klis depreciate. How do we know that? My love, kikalim shel kesef tepachte. Isn't this sa- the same as silver? And silver depreciates over time. I don't know what the havamina is here, why silver and gold are qualitatively different, but the Gemara certainly assumes that in the way that they were used, maybe their silver was just so thin. I, I don't know, because... Yeah, if, if you have a silver kiddush cup, as long as you keep polishing it and you don't drop it on the floor too many times and don't stick it in the disposal, it's going to be fine. It doesn't fall apart. Maybe the quality was poor. I don't know. Additional metal. Right. I was going to say, yeah, that might be just be very, the impurities are much, much greater than our metals for sure. What's the percentage of purity in uh, metals now? Like yeah. A tenth or a hundred to one percent. Wow. But I think the answer to that is that. Um, <clears throat> You think of the chemistry of gold, gold never tarnished. It's very non-reactive. Silver is very easily oxidized. But the but that but that doesn't ruin the actual uh, item itself, does it? Like well, if you polish silver, are you also wiping away silver? Yeah, sure you are, because you're wiping off the silver oxide. Okay? You're making it so that's what I was gonna say. I mean, I'm yeah, but but also I'm sure the quality of their uh, craftsmanship was. Uh... <laughs> I just think gold historically always was viewed as a more um, more valuable. Even in the even in the psukim and chumash, we see that zahav is always before kesef. We we see this, but I was I'm just a little surprised by the presentation in the Gemara that. Oh, it's not gold. It must be silver, which exactly. which that's considered something that depreciates in its value significantly more than we would say gold. Okay, that's what the Gemara assumes. So it says the Gemara. Maybe we would see from this brisa. What's that? That was all Torah. That was all Torah right there. Yeah, that was all Torah. So what happens when you have a nuclear chemist in the back row? And I'm not talking about you. I mean, I love you. I just wasn't talking about you. Future. Future. So says the Gemara, how could Rav Yochanan be right to say that when gold is brought in, we don't reduce, we don't increase, whatever the whatever the market value is, that's what we code into the Ksuba. Hare the Brisa says it's similar to Kalim. Kalim is Kesef and Kesef is reduced. Says the Gemara, Kalim shows up, who says that Kalim means that it's silver? It could be any type of Kli. Obviously, maybe the Brisa, at least according to Rav Yochanan, is talking about gold. Says the Gemara, in Cain, it should have said, love me by like its own Kli. If the Brisa was talking about itself, Hazahav Harehu Kekelim, that's not right. It should have been Hazahav Kekelov, like its own brand, like its own type of metal. And that's not what the Brisa says. And then adding a huge complexity, the Gemara third of the way down says, Odin, furthermore, we have another problem with Rav Yochanan. The Gemara says, Tanya, we have a Brisa. There are um, two sections of this Brisa. In the beginning of the Brisa, we have two different uh, statements. And then we have an arguing statement, but we don't know if the argument is on statement one or statement two. Here's statement one of the Brisa. Number one, like we already saw, that gold is like Caleb. And the second line is, And um, uh, gold dinarim, gold coins, are considered like silver. And then Rav Shimon argues, we just don't know which line he's arguing on. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, but Makam Shinagu Shilolofortan, in a city where we are, where we aren't allowed to exchange these uh, somethings, these coins or these kalim, we don't know which one yet. Shamanoso beharehin beshavehin. So we do we do have an application, says Reb Shimon ben Gamliel, 
We do have an application where the gold would be status quo. Rashbag Ahayo, but I don't know which comment Rashbag is arguing on. Is Rashbag arguing on the Tanakama's comment of Zohav Harehu Kekelim? The Zohav is similar to other Kalim. Or is it the Rashbag arguing on Dinare Zohav Harehu Kiksafim? We don't know which one. Ilema Asefa, if you want to say that Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel is arguing the line of the Brisa, which says Dinare Zohav Harehu Kiksafim, Michlal, what does that imply about the previous sheet of the Tanakama? Then what then would the Tanakama mean? The Tanakama that um, that even we would even say that it has the status of Ksafim, even in a place where you're not even allowed to, to change them out. But holo nafke, you can't, that doesn't even make any sense. If, if you're in a place where you're not allowed to change it out, how can you say that it's like Sufim? You're not even allowed to change the gold. It's always going to be its own value. So that doesn't make sense. El alaba resha. It must be that the Rashbag is arguing on the resha. The first line of the Brisa, which the Rabshim ben Gamliel must be arguing, is Zohav Areu Kekelim. Kamar. This is what it means. Zohav Areu Kekelim. My Kalim, Kalim Shal Kesef. That's like we were assuming earlier that maybe the Tanakama meant that gold is like Kalim in that. Uh, gold is like uh, silver and silver depreciates. So then the Gemara says, on that, Rashbag Omer, nope, So then the Gemara says that that's the second possibility, and that doesn't work for Rav Yochanan. So the Gemara responds halfway down, Really, Rav Shimon ben Gamliel is arguing on the Seifa. And the Seifa, again, was the case of the Kalen, of the Dinarim. Let me just find the Brisa here. Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. So the Brisa says the second line of the Brisa was Dinari Zavarein kicks off, and that's where he's arguing. And it's not that they never get changed out, it's that it's not the kind of coin that people like changing out. It's like a $2 bill. It's part of the currency, but it's a super annoying bill to have around. Okay, it's cool once, and then it's not cool after that. So like it's just annoying and nobody wants to get a nobody wants to get paid with a $2 bill. Fine. So it's Dinafkali it's gold. But it's possible that it can be become part of the you know the exchange, and then the Gemara says really the Tanakam and Reb Shem Ben Gamliel are arguing as follows: Mar Savar that since this gold coin can be changed out, so then we do change the price in the Ksuba because it can be like regular silver currency. We know we don't change the pricing one way or the other because it's low nafke. This type of coin is really not really part. It really shouldn't be part of circulation. Another possibility is that really there's no machlokas at all in this b'risa between the Tanakam and Rabshim ben Gamliel. We're four lines before the wide lines. Everything is Rabshim ben Gamliel. And here is the right way to read this b'risa. Gold is like uh, Kalim. Dinari Zav HaRein Kiksafim. Medbar Mamurim. When do we say this? That's B'makam Shanagu Lefortan. That's only true in a case that we would say that Zohav is, that Dinari Zohav are like Safim is in a place where you can actually exchange the coins. But in a community where we don't want these coins to really circulate and they restrict swapping out gold coins for silver coins, Shaman Osam, then we just evaluate them. says that under those circumstances, then whatever the value is of the gold, we don't add, we don't subtract, we just put it in the ksuba that exact way. First long line. Now, this all works out fine and good. We came up with our answer. We had a question against 
uh, Rav Yochanan, we found a couple of drachim that we could possibly answer up for Rav Yochanan in this brisa. The Gemara does still highlight that there's still one problem. If in fact it's true that when we say that gold is kekelim, and it, if you want to say that it doesn't mean silver, then the language of the brisa should have said kelav, that zahav is like itself, not zahav is like other things. Therefore, the Gemara says, Kasha, you're actually right. That's a very good question. And therefore, the Gemara presents a third and final answer before we move on to um, uh, another part of this. So, we're talking about small pieces of gold, like small shards of gold. We're talking about like a powdered gold. Those two things depreciate tremendously because even when you handle them, the gold glitter. You know, you see these people who do like the very fancy calligraphy, they use gold, they heat it up and they like drop it perfectly. It's very hard. Some of the more fancier Haggadahs might have that. So that's what the Gemara is saying. These things for sure depreciate. And therefore, the Bryce about Rav Shivan ben Gamliel and the Tanakama was never an argument against Rav Yochanan. Rav Yochanan wasn't talking about those types of gold. He was talking about full kalim of gold, not little shards of gold, not things that will definitely depreciate when you touch them. What other things might go into Aksuba and how would we assess them? Amar Yanai, for three lines into the wide lines. Besamim shel Antuchya, harehen kiksafim. If someone were to get besamim from the city of Antuchya, that's as good as cash. And therefore, we would add 50% to the Ksuba when we code it into the Ksuba. If a woman brings camels from, um, from Arabia into the Ksuba, she'll profit from that. In other words, we, we kind of up the ante in the Ksuba. These Tosve, Rashi says these are smalos, these are shirts from the city of Mahse. So Isha Gova Parnas, ma'am, they're shirts that last a long time. Whatever the brand was of the day, we have them now, the long lasting shirts. Hani sake de Rudya, these types of bags that came from Rudya, the Ashle de Kamachunya, Ashle are ropes that came from the city of Kamachunya, Ishagova Parnamiham, these were very profitable items. And when they were brought as a dowry, the husband would add 50% to them in the Ksuba. I thought that these money bags, which was kind of commonplace in the city of Mechoza, that if she brought those, they may be considered uh, to be profitable. My time, because people would rely on them. They were kind of like, you know, like sometimes in, in our financial markets, there are like some stabilizing companies or some stabilizing groups of companies, technology, whatever, uh, certain industries. So says Gemara, with everybody thought this was very reliable, but it's really not because Kevin the Chazoy, the Shak Lelehu, that we saw that people took these money bags when Nafke, someone would use this, they would take it to buy, uh, to buy a property. This would be the equivalent of gold bars. The gold bars are very stable. Nobody really uses them unless you're doing a massive transaction. Then you take the gold bar and then you go over to someone and you say, here's a gold bar. It's worth $10,000, whatever. And then you get arrested. Yes, I don't know. Is that a thing? I have no idea. What's wrong with gold bars? I have no take idea. Take it to a bank and see what happens. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Either way, the point is, is oh no, well, you'd have to go to a pawn shop or whatever, a, a better version of a pawn shop. There's gold, yeah. Yeah, could be. Anyways, the the, the point here is that. 
the Gemara is dealing with an item that's kind of quasi in the middle. We're not talking about something that's land, and we're not talking about something that's purely metaltal, and we're talking about something that really could go both ways. And the Gemara says that it's unreliable. Next, we're at the new Mishnah. We're about 10 lines from the bottom of Samach Zayin Amad Aleph. If you uh, have a big Gemara to get through, but it's really fast, and it's pretty much all I got it on the next Amad. Let's, uh, let's get started with the new Mishnah. Hamasi as bitostam. If a woman gets married, but there's no description of a dowry, at least 50 zuz has to be put into the pot. If you make the psak that she gets nothing, you, it's not stump. You say, I want her to have zero. When she goes in, a rumor here literally means naked. It's, we're talking about financially. That he says, you're not getting any money. You can't, the husband can't say that he's only going to support her once they're married. If the father-in-law is a real jerk, then then the husband, once, he, once she's in Arusa, he has to support her there as well to make sure she has what she needs. That amount of money doesn't change. And if there's money in the pod, in the communal pod, and then a person should be, if they have money in pocket, so then they should treat her accordingly. Like we saw in Shabbos, when we talk about the Chamishim Zuz in our Mishnah, we're talking about the less expensive version of Zuz, the unit, uh, the currency of the dollar, the currency of the Zuz was used in different ways in different times, and this is the less expensive one. How do we know this? Because of the last line of this Mishnah. What is this kiss of money? It's an Arnak of Tzedakah, it's a community pot. If you want to say it's the more expensive Hamishim Zuz, that can't be because in Yesh Bekis, Kama Yahavinola. 50 Zuz in the, in the other, this, this, um, this Zuz was eight times more valuable than the other Zuz. So if you're giving 50 Zuz, but it's the more expensive Zuz, 50 times eight is 400. I mean, that's some serious cash. That's double Arksubas nowadays, $20,000. Of course, that's not what was meant. We're talking about the lesser form of this. Brothers, brother and sister who are orphans and they need to get a Parnasa. First, we take care of the Yasoma with food. Why do we do that? Why do we give preferential treatment to her in regards to food? Because we've seen a little bit of a change here. Now there's women fundraising. It's an uncommon profile. We see it a little bit. When I lived on Fitch, we, I, this woman came and she knocked on the door. She was wearing a shaito. She had like a massive tattoo like on the back of her neck. I don't know if she was a balashuba or if she was just putting on the, the firm costume to make a buck. She had a green card from Rabbi First signed at the bottom. But that was like more uncommon, certainly in that day. And we are under the assumption that that is seemingly not, not commonplace in the times of the Gemara. Last two words on the page as we turn to Samach Zayin and Mibbez, the Gemara says, Yasum soma. If we have orphans, brother and sister, Shabbat be not say to get married, why is it that we marry off the girl first? <laughs> it would probably be intuitive. But the Gemara gives us explanation. It's worse for a girl to be single when she's older than for a guy to be single when he's older. None of them are pleasant, but there is a distinction that the Gemara makes.
Let's continue. Tanu Rabbanon, Yasom Shebalisa. If there's an orphan who wants to get married, so first things first, we don't just find the Shirach. First, Sochr and Lobais, we have to make sure he rents a house. He's got to get a bed and furniture, whatever he needs. Then he gets married, but first take care of the minimum requirements of your home. Make sure you have some uh, some basic structure in your life. This pasuk about the things that you lack. So what does that mean? And the word lo, zo isha. Where do we see that the word lo is isha? So we see this play on words that lo is really a reference to marriage, at least in this context. And the rabbis taught us so that if a person is poor, they're lacking something. We have a mitzvah to support them. You don't have to make them a millionaire, but you have to give them what they are lacking. Asher yechs are low, very customized language in the in the psukim. What does it mean? Asher yechs are low. This is a pasuk in Dvarim. Afilusus If before he became poor, he had uh, you know a horse-drawn chariot and he had uh, someone pulling the horse, whatever the case may be. That's where we have to get him back to. And they said this about Hillel. Twelve lines down. There was a poor person from a very good family, uh, one person, and they, before he, <laughs> he wasn't always so poor. So they gave him a horse to ride on, and they also, in Sadaka, they gave him an Ebed as well. Pamachas, one time when Hillel Azakin was trying to solve this problem for a family, Hillel Azakin himself, because the mitzvah of Sadaka is to give a person, to give them, uh, and what this person was lacking was someone to, to hold and pull the horse. Okay, what was he supposed to do? There was no one he could find to do it. So he did it himself. That's a mitzvah of tzedakah. <coughs> Last short line. When the upper Galilee, a poor person from a good family, and they gave him litra basar b'chol yom. A litra basar. This is uh, approximately a pound of meat every day. Says the Gemara, litra basar my revusa. No. And if you go to a homeless shelter, you can get a pound of meat. It's not like, uh, it may not be steak, but it's uh, you'll be able to get enough protein. So I'm a revuna. No, hold on one second. Litra basar Michel ofos. We're talking about a liter, uh, a litra of meat from chickens. Nowadays, things are a little reversed. By us, chicken is nine bucks a pound and steaks are 20 bucks a pound. Things are a little bit reversed, but it was more of a delicacy, I guess it seems. We by same of a litra basar mamish. No, the litra, the one pound was coins. And then they would take the coins and go buy meat with that, which was a massive amount of meat. That wasn't a pound of meat. It was a pound of coins. It was a very small community. What would happen is they would shecht one animal for him to get his litra of basar, but they couldn't even sell the rest of it. They couldn't, nothing. They, it was just, they wasted the rest of the animal. There was a person who came in front of Reb Nechemia. What do you normally eat? You normally eat fatty meats and, uh, and old wines. as the, the, uh, the diet of, of the wealthy. Do you want to join me? I'm a little bit of a pauper. I don't have fancy food, but I have lentil soup. So It's a terrible story. He had him over for dinner and then he croaked. He died from eating the lentils. Omar, oi, lo lazesh, Oh, terrible for this guy who Nechemia killed. 
Says the Gemara, I feel terrible for Nehemiah that Nehemiah is still alive, yet he killed someone. That's what it should have said me, boy. That would have been a better language. No. This guy who lived his whole life with Basar Shamin and Yain Yashan, that's you're living, it's Kvir culture. You know, it's you're, you're living in the, in the lap of luxury and you're only eating foods of the highest echelons. That's not right. That's not right. A person should have a balance and they should be eating regular foods too. Fine. Four lines before the very wide lines. Person came in front of Rava. Amar lo What are you eating? What do you typically eat? Amar lo betarnagolas petuma v'yayin yoshan. That's a fattened bird and uh, an old wine. Amar lev lo chayashta ledochka detzibura. You're a drain on society. You're, what's going to happen when you're poor? They have to get you back to asher yachzar lo. So you every day <laughs> you you have a small uh, what are those like small chickens called? I can't remember right now. The, huh? Cornish hens, you know. Good. So then you're you're an, such an expensive guy, and it's not right. You think I'm eating food from the tzibur? No, Hakadosh Baruch is taking taking care of me. We have in the brisa. The pasuk says. That a Kodesh Baruch who takes care of everyone who looks at him, and you give them lechem beito. So you think that it's the tzibur? Kodesh Baruch who is pulling the strings. So that's ridiculous. While this conversation was happening, Asoy Achte de Rava, Rava's sister walked in and says the Gemara, Delo Chazyala, Delo Chazyale Thirteen years had transpired since the last time that they saw each other. Very, very long break. And what did she bring him? What did she bring him? Exactly what Rava criticized the guy about. What is going on here? This is incredible. I'm having a conversation with this guy. I'm telling him he's living in the lap of luxury. My sister walks in with the same exact foods and hands them to me. I answered you. Literally what it means is I answered you. But what the Gemara means is I spoke uh, I spoke too fast. I, I'm not correct. You can go eat your you can go eat your expensive chicken and your old wine. No problem at all. And he read this as Ashkacha Pratis. Tanu Rabbanan, second of the very wide lines. The rabbis teach us, if a person doesn't have anything, but but he also doesn't want to take any handouts. There are people like that. It's a lot of pride. Um, and uh, what, he, what he's supposed to do, it's not a simple scenario. We give him something as though it's a loan. And then, and then we, just to be a mensch. No, 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 it's a loan. It's a loan. No, it's just, it's a loan. And you know what? Like six months later, you're like, ah, it's okay, I'm a vater. And by that point, you've already fed their whole family. That's Dibir Rab Meir. The rabbis say, no. First, you give it to them as a matana. Says the Gemara, giving it to them as a matana. That's what they didn't want. They didn't want a handout. The shumatana halo shokil. He won't take it if you're giving out a matana. The whole the case was ain lo vein rotzalis parnes. So he, of course he's not going to take a matana. The Gemara says you're right, but really what he means, <laughs> what the chachamim mean is amar rava liftoach lo matana. The first thing you say to them is, don't worry, I'll take care of you. Don't worry, I got it. I got it. Let me just get you dinner, and then he'll say, no, no handouts. Okay, fine. Then let me just give you a loan. You'll pay me back next year. No problem. But what, that's what the Chachamim are adding is that we should start by offering a matan. What about Yeshlo ve'eno rotzeli his parnes? Four lines into the wide lines. 
he he has money and he doesn't he still doesn't want to do anything uh, with the community so then um then he he won't use his own money so then we still give him a gift the gemara says i don't understand this ruse only works once so we'll be able to collect from him after he dies. So we will take care of him. He doesn't want to use his own money. He's starving himself. He's got money in the bank. I won't be using my money and I'm not taking from you. It's like a suicide pact. So we give him, we give him, uh, and then we collect from his Yorshim after he dies. That's his problem. If a person doesn't have it and they don't want to take, like the case we saw earlier, leave us with, leave us with something and then take food. In order to make him feel more calm. You've got a Rolex, great. Leave your Rolex over here. Take whatever you need. Your Rolex is $10,000. Take as much food as you want over the course of the year. No problem at all. Let's learn the whole Pasuk. The Pasuk says, A person should open up, surely open up their hands to him. And make sure to give him hard words to translate. We're going to be working on that now. So what does each, each, one, uh, each word mean? So the Gemara says two-thirds of the way down. Another ten lines and then we'll stop. That was the case we saw above a person who has no money, but their pride gets in the way they don't want to take anything. Like we saw, give it to him as a halva, and then uh, change your mind later to make it into a matana. What does tabi tenu mean? That's a person who has money, but he's not using his own money. What's he going to do? Like we saw earlier. He's not our obligation. Excuse me. What does that word mean? The double language. You know what? Just because of time, we're going to stop right here at Lashem Adam. That the reason why the Pasuk says Tabi Tenu twice is not meant to make a drasha. And tomorrow we'll start with Mar Ukva, about 15 lines or so from the bottom. I'll be recording and posting tomorrow. No shear tomorrow night in person. Wishing you all a beautiful night.